I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, what's poppin' Celtics Nation? Happy Saturday, emergency podcast. We're a bit late to the times, but you know, I took Friday off. I unplugged from the basketball world for a day. Sue me. I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Will Weir. What's poppin', Will? What is good, Adam? I am feeling fantastic. I am lifted off that P.O.B.O. pack. That was dropped on us yesterday by the one and only Brad Stevens. I'm feeling fantastic, and I'm ready to bring you with me into this joyous, joyous moment. Yeah, so for anybody that's not listening, I upset a lot of people yesterday. 90% of the fan base, because as much as I think this Malcolm Brogdon deal is good, I think he fits everything Boston needs. You wanted a new, an extra ball handler. You got it. Free level scorer. You got it perimeter defender you've got it size you've got it um playmaking you've got it the inverse to that is you didn't get him for cheap for no reason right so this was what this was my original take on this real quick adam let's let's set up what the actual trade was and i and i have it pulled up in front of me if you want to go for it save me save me pulling it up yeah, I got it in front of me here. So here is the full deal. And, and just so you know, we are also going to talk about the uh, the Gallinari exception that, that was signed yeah, yesterday as well, which went which went a little bit under the radar considering you know this happened so soon after. But we'll talk about that too. But the Malcolm Brogdon trade, let's, this is, of course, where we're going to start. So Celtics get Malcolm Brogdon. Three years left on that contract. The Pacers get Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, Juwan Morgan, Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, in a 2023 first round pick because I think Brad Stevens is determined to never make a first round pick during his tenure as president want of basketball smoke, operations. <laughs> doesn't want the smoke. He, he wants none of those draft experts coming at him, giving him a, giving him a bad grade in that first round. Yeah. Brad Stevens is just avoiding all of it. <laughs> He's like, nah, dude, I don't want this. Like, I will say this as well, before we get into the pros and the cons, more pros than there are cons. Um, a lot, I saw a lot of people like, oh, well, if, this Malcolm Brogdon deal doesn't work out. You know, he's on a one-year deal. He's going to walk away. No, he's on, his current deal has one year left. He signed an extension. He goes into a brand new deal yep. next season, 2023 to 24. And he, that's a two-year deal, 45 million, 22.5 million each year. Yeah. So there is one year left on the current deal, but he does have an extension that will already, carry over already to inked. With, And so, I made uh, that mistake too. So that's why I wanted to put it out there, though that it is three yeah. years of Malcolm. Brown. And I just kind of wanted to kind of like add the caveat as to why it's three years rather than it be, because I saw a bunch people like it's a one-year deal it is but it's not because there's that two-year extension yeah. on there now as will said you basically got brogdon for aaron neesmith and some pocket change you know aaron neesmith a first round pick daniel tice and then the heart the one that hit me the most man was fitz dude really yeah because just, just, because, just of, because of his energy after just yeah you know, for his theo pinson like energy yeah. I'm telling you, dude, the guy was just electric on the, on the sideline. Never going to see him play, but that's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so my biggest takeaway was there's a reason you got him so cheap, and that's because there is very legitimate, very real injury concerns. I put this out on Twitter. I was probably a little bit too blunt about it, but I was kind of like, I'm not a huge fan of the deal simply for that. Now, 
I do believe that Malcolm Brogdon completely plugs a hole in this team. I do think he elevates this team to a level that they weren't on without him. Like he does round out that rotation very well. There's a reason the team have been pursuing him for a few years. The the idea of being able to just plug and play Derek White, Brogdon, Smart, Pritchard, all the, like that plug and play rotation is ridiculous right now. But you have to be on the floor to be impactful. Mm-hmm. Now you're 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 already coming into the season with knowing Rob's going to miss time. How much time is always a flip of a coin? Is he going to miss five games? Is he going to miss ten? Could he have to get shut down? Does he need surgery again? So you've always got the lingering concerns about Rob. Jalen has got that hamstring injury. That means he's going to miss time. He's done it the last couple of seasons. It looks like it's going to be with him for the like majority of his career. How many games is Jalen going to miss? Tatum's got that shoulder injury. Does that resolve itself over the summer? If not, how does that mean he has to start load management on that shoulder while it starts to repair? We don't know what it was and there's been nothing coming out about that. Doesn't need surgery, but that means it might linger for a while. So that's a concern. Marcus Smart plays so hard that he runs through walls. He's the Wiley Coyote of the NBA. He's going to miss time. Al Horford's older. You really, really, really need to start load management with Horford from day one so you can ramp him up once the playoffs come. So that's five guys that you're already like, dude, we need to be concerned about A, B, C, D, E, F. Now we bring in Brogdon. That's another dude you need to be concerned about playing time. And he's missed significant playing time at certain parts of his career. And that was my biggest concern. Mm -hmm. Do I think, but I'm, I'm being, I'm trying to say this in a way where I'm like, when he's healthy, He's the perfect fit for this team. Yeah. My concern is how often are you going to be healthy? Because Gordon Hayward was the perfect fit for this team. Now, nobody envisioned him breaking his ankle on opening night. And luckily, he he recovered and he's continued to play and be impactful. But he's missed time. Like, you know, when he's with, when it, now he's with Charlotte, he's one of their best players when healthy, but he's just but he's never, never consistently. There. Yeah. And that's that was the point I was trying to put across. You know, for I sure. don't want to be the Debbie Downer. I don't want to be the guy being like, well, let's just pump the brakes, but let's just pump the brakes. Yeah, no, I I totally hear you. And it's to- and it's been a concern from the very beginning with Malcolm Brogdon. So if you were to to go back to all the way when Malcolm was Malcolm Brogdon was drafted about six years ago, he was a second round pick because his medicals from from what I've heard from, you know, various podcasts and various, you know, members that have spoken about this. They were some of the worst medicals I've ever seen coming into the NBA draft. Like, that's the reason that he fell to the second round out of Virginia. So you're not wrong by any means with the with the injury concerns. And obviously, like you talked about, the pure the pure on-court basketball fit, which we'll talk even a little bit more about here in a second, it is, it is perfect. And I think for a while, you know, once again, this is always going to be the caveat with Malcolm Robin, when healthy, you know, there's a – I had always thought that, you know, I actually probably leaned – who's better player, Malcolm Brogdon or, or Marcus Smart. I probably usually leaned when healthy towards Malcolm Brogdon. But because of the health, you, you always have to kind of go to Marcus Smart, which to your point, even when he misses games, he's he's still playing more often than he's not playing, right, typically throughout his career. So I think that's fair to say. So I think when I look at this, right, you know, I, I still am going to harken back to our most recent playoff run, as I think is, you know, appropriate. We came two games away from winning the NBA championship. I have been very adamant since that since the, since we lost game six. Fatigue and depth are two of the biggest things that I think this team ran out of. And they went eight about eight, eight and a half men deep from mid-January. And you just can't do that. 
And you listed all the injury concerns, the age of Al Horford, all of those things are valid. So I think right now, when you look at Malcolm Brogdon, while his injuries absolutely have played a role in his career, and you talked about Gordon Hayward and Charlotte, and I think this is a very similar situation, the reason that those are so detrimental is who they needed to be for the Indiana Pacers and for the Charlotte Hornets, respectively. When Malcolm Brogdon comes into this situation now, and you look at the run the Celtics just had, where Smart missed a couple games because he was injured. Derek White had to leave at one point for, for the birth of his child. And, you know, obviously, like, they, they were great. And you different points, you were kind of leaning on one of them or both of them at the same time. So to me, Adam, this is a numbers game, right? You're bringing in Malcolm Brogman to a situation where, let's say we never made this trade. And remember, we still have a TPE that hasn't been put in play yet. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like. So that, I think that makes a lot of people feel better depending so on done, what may happen with that. I've done some reading on the TPE today and yes. like different reporting. I'll, we'll touch on that as soon as you're done making okay. this point. I think I've seen part of that as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. So we don't know necessarily what's going to happen with that. But if you think about what this looked like this coming into the season, like we were feeling pretty good about our backcourt being Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, and, and Marcus Smart. You throw Malcolm Brogdon in that, and you have Brogdon and Marcus Smart, who we called Big Ball One. Malcolm Brogdon's in that same mold. When you look at that, when you look at that fit on defense, and so now, even with the injury concerns, you don't need Malcolm Brogdon. While you'd love Malcolm Brogdon to be available for 60 to 70 games, Celtics just played 103, 104 games this season. Even if he's available for 60 of them and you're splitting that time with Derek White, with Marcus Smart, you're mixing that in with everything else because there's going to be injuries throughout the season. Like you don't need him to be the same guy that he needed to be availability wise for the Indiana Pacers because their team was based on him being healthy. Him being healthy while being, you know, extremely beneficial is a bonus to this team. This team just made it to the NBA Finals on a run with Derek White, Marcus Smart, and Peyton Pritchard, who got you know very little minutes. Is going to get probably even less minutes now, but will be able to certainly fill in in those moments if there's injuries. So to me, this is a numbers game, Adam. This is building in that protection for all those injuries. Because listen, is it possible all of these guys are injured at the same time? It's unlikely. Yeah, it's, it's but it's unlikely. Is exactly my point. And so now you're going to feel, hey, Marcus Smart. We saw the the ankle sprain that he had that he played through. Now you're looking at it like, hey, Marcus, take two games off, get a little healthier. We got Brogdon and Derek White to go run out there with the Jays and Rob and Al Horford, and you're going to feel pretty damn good about it. Or vice versa, Brogdon's hurt again. You're back to your NBA Finals run that you just had with the seven, eight guys that you know can play together. So, and if you get them all healthy, good luck to any anybody in the backcourt, you know, of the rest of the Eastern Conference that wants to try and take on this backcourt trio of Derek White, Marcus Martin, Malcolm Brogdon. Good luck. Have fun dribbling against them. Have fun trying to penetrate against that against that defense. So to me, this is a numbers game where if you get two out of the three that are healthy, you're feeling fantastic. When you get all three together, look out. And especially when you add in what now Malcolm Brogdon brings onto the offensive side of the ball, when you get all of that mixed together, even if you don't get all of it all the time, you're going to put yourself in a better position where you don't end up like in a Milwaukee where Middleton goes down and and that's probably your season. 
right? Even though they pushed it to seven and they could have won that series, they pushed it to seven without Middleton. It's real tough. Marcus Smart goes down or Malcolm Brogdon goes down in the playoffs and you still got two out of those three or Derek White goes down. You got two out of those three. You're still in a damn good position. And there's no reason why you can't continue that same level of play. So to me, that's where I don't worry as much about the Brogdon injury because I think you have so much insurance built around it. So this is the last thing I'm going to say negative because I have a lot of positive things to say about Brogdon and I don't want to be looked at like, like this at first yesterday, I was like, dude, this dude's going to be my Dennis Schroeder. I've came around from that, but I will say this, (laughs) I I will say this to you. And this is kind of just a bit of a little pushback uh, where you're like, Hey, if he plays 60 games, that's all you need. Right. But how many of those 60s, 60 are going to be ramp up games? How many games is he going to miss? Like when you're ramping back up, you're not the dude you are when you're when you're in rhythm. We saw that with Rob. Rob come back from surgery. It takes him nearly two entire full series to be back to being Rob. Now, if you, if if Brogdon plays 60 games, but he's missed time in between them, and say 20 of them are ramping back up, you're only getting 40 games of Malcolm Brogdon. You're getting 60 Malcolm Brogdon games, but only 40 of them are you getting Malcolm Brogdon. And that was more my concern, right? Mm-hmm. Not the fact that like, I understand completely where you're coming from. You've got the numbers game. The depth is there. It's elite level depth. It's not just depth by numbers or by committee. Like everyone on this rotation, this 10-man, 9-man rotation can play ball at a high, high level. But if you're only getting 40 games at that high, high level, is it worth that 20 to 25 million range that you're, you're paying now? Yeah. Um, I want to touch on that for a minute because I think that's a great point about, about the contract because I think that's going to ultimately be something that probably a lot of fans are overlooking right now. But as soon as he misses time, you you, you bet that's going to be front and center. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's a very important part. And to me, the way I view it is, you know, with Malcolm Brogdon, you kind of look at what the Celtics just did with Al Horford. I love Al Horford. You love Al Horford. Mostly everybody in Celtics Nation loves Al Horford. He's not a $26 million player. But he fits the role and he fits what you're looking for within the ecosystem of this team that's on the brink of of being a, a championship team. And I think even if you look at the Golden State Warriors, their play with Andrew Wiggins was kind of the same thing. Now, obviously, they didn't have the same health concerns, but from a contract perspective, you're paying for you know that 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 level of a player that you can get when they're out there. And I know what you're saying from the the ramp up games. The the one difference I would look at between and, and everyone's going to have you know when you're injured, it does take a few games to ramp back up, no matter what your style of play is. I think when you look at a guy like Rob, and I know this wasn't necessarily your your full point, but with Rob, his game is so predicated on his elite alien level athleticism, whereas for Malcolm Brogdon, that's not going to be the case. And so he'll be able to be, I think, a little bit more effective in those ramp-up times, whereas for Rob, if he doesn't have his athleticism, it's just not even close to the same yeah. guy. Where for Brogdon, it's more... Is he get his handle back, his decision making, you know, just the speed of the game? Like, okay, I'm back to, you know, this isn't this isn't me in the, you know, in the gym in Waltham. This is, you know, this is me in an NBA arena at Madison Square Garden it. or, you know, what, whatever it might be with the fans booing, raining booze down and all that stuff. Like, like that's the stuff that will take a minute. So I think with Brogdon, those ramp up times will be a little bit different. But I think your I think your point's entirely valid. And I think like when it comes to the contract, it's the price of doing business when you're in the championship game. And you're yeah, we're in the sure. end, we're, we're in the, we're in the end game, and you know they've talked about opening up the checkbook, 
thus far, they mean business when it comes to it. So, I mean, we have that TPE, which we need, I think this is a good probably transition point where we're talking about finances here. But Wick and Brad have both said the you know the checkbook's open if we see fit. And so far, they've they've seen fit with some of the moves that we've seen from Brogdon and then the the mid level ex- exception signing with with Danilo Gallinari. So I cannot remember if I saw this reported by Mark Murphy or by Amos, Adam Himmelsbach. I, th- I, think if it's, it's what I think you're talking about. I think it's Adam. And then uh, Mark Murphy was the one that reported that, that Brogdon is likely looked at as a six man. So I know the yeah. starting lineup so will be a Adam. question. But, and it yeah. was definitely in a piece. It was over in the Global to Herald. So I apologize for not being able to credit that correctly. But it was one of those two guys in their pieces on July 1st. So you can go and read both. Um, and the point what I'm making is, in the report that I read from one of those two pieces, it was very much that the Celtics had spent most of June 30th looking and exploring different TPE trades. They 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 exhausted every avenue with that TPE, and they already had this offer for Brogdon on the table, and it was very much a either or scenario we're either going to make this deal with the tpe or we like this brogdon one and from the reporting that i read and i think you're looking for it at the moment it was very much a we're not too pleased with what we can get with the tpe right now so we're going to go and get brogdon because that makes more sense now i personally i interpreted that as because we got brogdon we're not using the tpe and I'm okay with that because you've bought in Brogdon was a better player earning more money than what the TPE could have got you anyway. Yep. You know what I'm saying? You, he wouldn't have fit into it. He's on 20 odd million a year. He wouldn't have fit into the TPE. So you've got a better player. Now, the other bit of reporting that's out there at the minute is the Celtics are around about 30 million in the, in the tax this year. That's going to be their tax bill over the last 10 years. They've only spent 22 million in tax. I think it was Windhorse that said this, yep. um, they're paying more in the upcoming season in luxury tax money than they've paid in the last 10 years. And then you saw Keith Smith tweet it out. There's a difference between paying the tax and paying the tax. You know what I'm saying? Yep. The Celtics are paying the tax. Using the TPE, they're going to be paying the tax. There's a huge difference. And I think that when you look at the depth that this team has, and like I said, I do think there's a huge amount of upside to Brogdon. I'll be doing some deep dives. I'll be doing some videos. I'm not out on him. I just didn't think... It was fair to throw so much fanfare without throwing a little bit of level-headed concern out there. Everybody disagreed with me. Cool. Um, well, to that, Adam, because I, and I know I felt the same way. And I, I saw this report I think late yesterday, and I'm reading, I'm rereading kind of the the article now. And I'll be honest, this was part of what left me like, oh my god, we didn't even use the TPE for this. And so you talked about, you know, there's a difference between paying the tax and paying the tax, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I see the report here and I totally get that like, hey, we're going to make this move for Malcolm Brogdon because he's the better player than anyone that we can imagine at the at the TPE level. If this ownership group is serious about paying the tax, there's is about about opening that checkbook, like pay, pay it like I, like I'm not going to be someone. I will be very vocal throughout the year if this is a TPE that does not get used and we don't see enough support because I think there's even if you don't use the full TPE, you can break it up. You can go. Well, let's be fair. The sixteen days on that TPE. Oh, remember. for sure. Which is why I'm saying I'm I'm not there yet. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is like there's only there's only sixteen days. True. You like, look at it that way as well. Yeah. There's there's sixteen days to locate your target, create a deal that works for both teams, reach an agreement, and use it. That's not an easy thing to do. There's, it's, and after today, there's fifteen days. 
Like yeah. the clock is ticking and it ticks fast. Like we're already in July, dude. For sure. But what like, plays in your favor like is there is a massive earthquake and perhaps two that are looming across the NBA that are going to force people to make some moves that maybe they're not expecting or they're not ready to make yet. And I'm talking about Kevin Durant seems to be on the move. Kyrie Irving likely on the move, perhaps Donovan Mitchell. So there might be three different moves that are going to have ramifications across the league that are, and who knows when those might happen, but those are opportunities that may not exist right now because those, those pieces haven't had to move yet. So I, I know the reports out there that they may not use the TP or they don't might have a plan to. I, I'm not going to buy that yet until we cross that deadline, because I think for me, it like you can use part of that. Like, like I look you at can it, facilitate a deal with ex- that. You could be the middleman. Yes. That's that. That's what, exactly where I'm going to here. Is that I think like it, to say that they're not going to use it yet is not fair because there's there's still so much movement that you can feel. And you know, I think you know we, Keith Smith has talked about we talked or we talked about it with Keith, and then Keith was tweeting about it when the Kevin Durant news broke. You're going to see ripple effects as soon as that happens. You're going to see a bunch of movements, a bunch of moves in succession right after that. And I think that's an opportunity, whether it's being involved directly in one of those scenarios or being on the fringes to help get a team that needs more space to help get off a contract. Like the Celtics are, can be there to jump in in those moments. And so I, I think for me, getting back to like where I was boasting and I was, my God, my, my girlfriend couldn't, she was like, why are you just smiling? Like we're just sitting at the counter having lunch and I'm just smiling ear to ear. She's like, why are you so happy right now? And it's cause I was looking at the Malcolm Brogdon trade. And I was thinking about had different reactions, man. <laughs> I know, very different, very different. I was, I was on cloud nine. We were doing some furniture shopping for our new house, and like usually, I'm, I'm the guy who sits. I'm the, I'm, I'm the boyfriend who sits at the cart, and I have him on my phone, just like, all right, yep, yep, yo. I was skip hop jumping around Home Depot yesterday, just like, what do we need? Let's get I'm it. I'm the child in them situations, <laughs> running around like, yo, well, let me get this, throw that in there. Yo, let me go, this is dope, let me get this. Before I know it, I've spent like 200, 300 bucks on stuff I don't need. My wife's like, yo, go and put some of that stuff back. I'm like, you know, like, do you, I don't know if you get this, like, uh, do you get, like, do you have like department stores with like bargain buckets where it's just random stuff in the bucket? Uh, like, kind of. We have like a lot more like clearance racks and stuff that are just like a mixture of, of stuff. That's so, And honestly, if I go to like Marshall's TJ Maxx, that's the first place I'd beeline to. Bro, TJ Maxx, dude, I went to what's called TK Maxx here. I don't know why they felt the need to turn the J to a K, like we can't spell, but it's TK Maxx. Y'all do spell some it. stuff different. So maybe, maybe they thought this yeah, it's was usually like, an S and a Z, though, right? Like we or just, like, like favorite has like a U in it. Yeah, or a U, right? Color, color. Um, but and someone's <laughs> and I'll do a pronunciation thing with you in a moment just to split it up before we transition. <laughs> but I was in TK Maxx yesterday. And there was so much new era basketball clothing in it. Now, there's never American sports wearing TK Maxx here. It's like, I go in there every week because they change the racks every week. And I like to have a nice t-shirt or, you know, get a deal on a pair of kicks or whatever. And I'm in there and I'm like, dude, they got a Chicago Bulls top. I don't like the Chicago Bulls. It's new era. I saw it online for £60. It's £10. I'm buying the Chicago Bulls top. How can I not? (laughs) You know what I mean? Before I know it, I've got... New York Yankees stuff. I don't watch baseball. Oh, boo. 
Adam. You I can't be saying that on the uh, that that's the the Chicago thing. You can get away with the Yankees stuff. You can't get away yeah, with on here. I mean, what I'm saying is, dude, man, like I don't watch no baseball. I'm basketball through and through. But at the same time, I kind of rationalized it with myself as like, yo, I'm a fan of the league. Like you know what I mean? I, I, For I sure. Like oh no, no. Listen, like, I I get I get I get that I stuff. I'm just telling you. When when you pack for your trip to Boston, leave that. I'm not bringing that, dude. But like you know, I go to LA, I go to LA. To Friendly visit piece my of advice. I go to LA to visit my homie. I've got some Dodgers gear. I'm okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can rock that. Got, That's fine. Yeah, I can rock that. You know, but like I've never. In, I'm 34. I've never purchased non-Celtics clothing in my entire life. Like and so to me, it felt sacrilegious doing so. <laughs> but I was like, the deal is too good not to purchase it. It was a really bizarre kind of feeling because like, you know, my wardrobe is predominantly green and black and it's all Celtic stuff. So I was like, yo, man, I'm going against myself doing this, but I had to do it, you know? I don't know how often yeah, I'm going to do it sometimes. But yeah, dude, I mean, you know, uh, moving on, we was, what, what was I going to use as a... You had a segue in mind, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to blow it up. It sounded like you had something, something cooking. For I the did, people. right? What did I say? There was another thing I wanted to touch on. I don't know. We'll use that as the segue then. Um, <laughs> this is like a comedian who has a bit about, like their whole bit is not having segues and they just go joke to joke without segues. That's what yeah, we're doing dude, right I now. Mean, I mean, I purchased some stuff, you know, it is what it is. What was it? Oh yeah. Did I tell you about my members only Nickelodeon jackets? Ooh, see now that sounds fire. And I was watching some Keenan and Kel the other night. So I'm with you. Yeah, I even installed a VPN on my TV so I can get Keenan and Kel on the American Netflix. Um, yes, that's where I was watching, exactly. But again, TK Maxx, bro. I'm in TK Maxx. I'm like, I see this jacket. Shout out to TK Maxx, sponsor the pod. Denim jacket, orange hood. I'm like, yo, this looks dope. Let me go check it out. It's Rugrats. It's got Chucky on the back. It's got yo. a big Rugrats symbol on the top, members on Yo, Finster gang, let's go. I go on, I do this whenever I buy some and TK Maxx. I have to see what level of deal I'm getting before I decide whether or not I'm willing to part with the money. So I go online, jackets are £120, £29.99. I'm like, yo, let me grip that, buy it, come back. I've got some orange and black Jordans I've had forever and I've never had nothing to go with them. This got orange hood. I can rock it now. You know what I'm saying? Walking around, I'm like, yo, I love this. Go online, I want another one. Bought a SpongeBob one, yellow hood, big SpongeBob on the back, little SpongeBob pocket out the pocket. Let me go grab some yellow and black bands to, <laughs> to match. I'm like, yo, this is dope. Anyway, as we're segueing, what I'm saying is like the Rugrats, and I'm making the segue up on the spot. So please don't hate me if it's too like, uh, if it's a bit shaky, you understand why, right? But um, Rugrats is old, man. And like, it, it's one of those things that's been a staple in my childhood, a staple in like my, my daughter's been watching it when she was young and that it's been around. Now, another thing that's been around is Danilo Gallinari. See what hey. I did? Hey. He's like, what, 90 at this point? And, hey, uh, man, I just looked yeah. it up. This dude's 33. I turned 33 next month. You 34. He's with us, man. He's, he's, Yo, he's he made hundred and forty five million dollars in his 33 years on earth, man. I ain't even made one. He, he, <laughs> Doing far better than me, dude. Um, oh man, I feel sad now. That's made me depressed. <laughs> like I, I'm a big guy. I, I've been a big Gallo guy for a while. Yeah. I think at this point he's going to be more of an off-ball guy. This is something I wanted to say on Brogdon as well. Like Brogdon's best year, and I just want to point this out, right? Brogdon's best year of his career came in his final year with Milwaukee. Yep, 40, now, 50, 90. He played 84% of his minutes off-ball as a shooting guard that year. 
So expecting like, and this is something I want to get into with both Gallo and Brogdon is that a lower usage rate plus being on more of a predominantly off ball role could be something that helps kind of sustain their availability throughout the year. Cause I think Gallo is going to need a bit of time as well, you know, but for everybody saying that Brogdon's going to be the ball handler, I think that Derek White keeps that because he's a really good decision maker. I think Brogdon's your guy that is your secondary creator, your secondary scorer when he's on the floor. He's your secondary everything because he's elite in that secondary role. He didn't really excel as the main guy. He excels as that secondary or tertiary guy. With Gallo, he's going to be more of an off-ball guy. He's going to be a pick-and-pop guy. He's going to be the guy that's operating as the shooter in slide actions. If you don't know what a slide action is, that's cool. I'll go through that in a moment. He's going to be the guy that's the popper in a Spain pick-and-roll. He'll be the guy setting that back screen before popping out. And I like the fact that now all of a sudden, Grant Williams isn't on an island as the only catch-and-shoot guy. Because when Grant Williams is having a bad game, boy, did you feel it. You're like, man, those those corner threes aren't falling. That's like a bread and butter part of our offense. If the defense isn't scrambling to take that away, it's not opening things up elsewhere on the weak side or blah. Don't matter no more. Oh, Grant's having a cold game. Let's kick it to the other corner. We've got Gallo. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mean? Gallo hits on a lot of the things that Brad Stevens was looking for. More size, more yep. shooting, more scoring. You know, I, I think, and he brings a veteran presence to this team, right? Like we talked about, it. this is a pretty young team outside of Al Horford. You know, Gallo's now the only other thirty-year-old that's on this team, especially now that Daniel Tice left in the in the Malcolm Brogdon. He being played in the uh, in the changing room next season, I think. <laughs> Could be, man. So with Gallo, I, I think he just gives you a lot of versatility that we've lacked, especially. And I've been dying. And listen, Grant Williams shot the hell out of the ball in the regular season. It kind of fell off towards the end of the postseason. But you still need another year to really know, like, hey, was this just, you know, there are anomaly years when it comes to shooting percentages. It just happens. And so I think with Grant, like, you're still also wondering a little bit, like, how true is what we just watched this year? Now, he works works hard. The shot looks great. Like, I'm not going to be surprised if it's real, but you still need to see it on the court. I mean, Aaron Neesmith's shot looked pretty good a lot of times. Didn't go in a whole bunch, but it looked kind of good most of the time, you know? (laughs) So, I mean, like, with Grant, I do need to see another year, whereas you look at a guy like Gallo, you know him, especially with the gravity that you're going to have to pay attention to with Brogdon, with JB, with Tatum. Like, the vertical spacing that you're going to get because he's probably going to be paired quite a bit, I would expect, with Rob Williams to protect him on the defensive side of the ball. Like, you're going to get a lot of open shots for Danilo Gallinari, and he's a guy that even outside of the three-point range, he's just another guy who can get buckets. You know what I mean? It's not just, this isn't a, you know, Duncan Robinson situation where he's just get a three and that's that's really all you're you're going to get from him. You're going to be able to get Gallo late in the shot clock when you're, when you give him the ball late and you're in your second unit. He's a guy that you can feel pretty comfortable with hitting a, a tough turnaround or getting you something, you know, in the mid post area to work off of. And I know that some Celtics fans have a hesitancy because he isn't a great defender. He's slow footed, you know, but he's 6'10". He's not, you know, he's not five foot ten. He's not six foot one. He's six foot ten. And so when you pair him with the defensive ecosystem that the Celtics have, and this has been one of my big points, you can't play multiple guys that are negative negatives on defense. You can get away with one negative guy on defense when you got Rob and Al on the back line, when you've got JB and JT on the wings, when you have that triplet of of defenders that we talked about in the backcourt now as your perimeter defense like you can you can work with one guy not being 
a you know average or plus defender you can get by with that for 20 to 20 to 25 minutes in the regular season and then maybe in the postseason it's a little bit less but that's to the point of what you're saying where Gallinari can be super effective off ball it can do it at a low usage rate and then the other thing is as well you open that space and go now Jalen can slash more now Brogdon can get to the rim more now Jalen Jason can do what he wants to do in that mid-range area if he wants to pressure the rim he can just more spacing for Rob to operate as that rim runner it just opens up a bunch in that second unit and then getting back to Brogdon a little bit because I, I feel like I was quite critical I want to give him a bit of props like you can run Brogdon as your off-ball guy. You can run him as your pick-and-roll guy. You can have him as your off, like inverted screener. You can have him as your playmaker. You can have him as somebody that's in the corner. There's so much versatility, one through ten, on this team now that everybody has a role to play. Everybody brings something unique, and everybody has a bit of crossover at the same time. So yeah. it's like, hey. I love that point. Jalen's having a real bad night handling the ball, but I think Brown's making an appearance today. That's cool. Jalen, you're just going to operate as the play finisher today. Malcolm, we're going to step you up. You're going to handle the rock in Jalen's absence. Oh, now it's the opposite way. Jalen's on fire. He's crossing dudes up. Pullbacks are there. People are on skates. Malcolm, go sit in the corner. And as long as everybody kind of is willing to eat that humble pie at different points throughout the season and play their role or the role that's needed of them on a game-to-game, the versatility, 1 through 10, is ridiculous. And the the, the concerning and exciting thing, and and it goes hand-in-hand, the last time the team was this deep was when there was a lot of players-only meetings on aeroplanes. So you just got to hope that everybody buys in a little bit. So I I had that same thought at one point where it's like, you know, there's always that, that crop picture of you have the the starting five and then you add in Terry Rozier, you added Marcus Morris, you added Aaron Bain, you added, you know, it it was a roster that when you look back on it, it almost makes your, your jaw drop a little bit. Like how would this team not work out? But then you remember Kyrie Irving was a part of that team. So I think that has your answer right there. And I think when you look at the the makeup of, of what we know of Malcolm Brogdon, and actually right now between Brogdon, JB, and Grant Williams, you know, we've got three different VPs from the, from the Players Association that are on this team right now. So three guys that are all well-respected across the league, enough by their peers to be in those positions. And so I, I think when you look at that, plus what we know we have in Horford, we know, you know, we know who the other, the other guys that have been on this team that have grown, we've grown with them since they've been drafted. Like, I, I, I don't think that's going to be as, as much of an issue, but it's just funny you brought that up, Adam, because I did have that same thought cross my mind from the last time that it felt like we had this much depth and then potentially more depth to come, but that's obviously TBD. Yeah, I mean, it could be a vet minimum guy. It could be a TPE guy. I'm very interested in that Thomas Bryant rumor, rumor that's out there. I don't know about you. Yeah. I love that as a vet minimum opportunity. I mean, they bought Luke Cornett back, which was a shot that's- to the system. Yeah, it's fine. It's you know, it's it 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 is whatever you know. And then you, you still got Stauskas kind of leaning around. I haven't necessarily seen where his status is at 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 the moment. I know wasn't that he part of the trade that got Brogdon. So he wasn't. So that's the part that's so amazing to me about this Brogdon trade. So Stauskas was not a part of it. Somehow neither was Peyton Pritchard or even Grant Williams. Like the fact that Stevens pulled this off. Without and this is the part for me, like going all the way full circle back to the to the Brog to the Brogdon at the beginning. <sighs> without giving up a single rotation guy, a single rotation guy, Neesmith, I mean, Neesmith didn't play at all in the postseason. So maybe it's either that 
it's got to be that Indiana believe they can develop Neesmith. That's the only reasoning I can see. They've got to believe. That- I mean, it's that in a pick. That's they're just re. So one of the other things is they they cleared a bunch of or it's easily movable cap space at this point, right? Yeah, like, I mean, a lot of these guys are on non guaranteed money. Yeah. So I think that's 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 part of it. Where just like we talked about, the Celtics can get involved with you know with the TPE if the Durant trades and the potential Kyrie or Donovan Mitchell trades start to get real big and pieces need to move and they can come in as a as a third party to facilitate some moves. They're in kind of that same boat where hey yeah well you know we we can we can you know send away these guys give us whatever salary you need to dump and a pick. And then we'll take that and we'll build that with the the Halliburton, the Benedict Matherin, the Chris Duarte, and like the young core that that Indiana's yeah. trying to build. Do you know what though? You don't like I, for all the concern I had about the health and like you know whatever the discourse was over that. And as I've said a few times on this episode, and I said it on Twitter, I still think he's a great fit when healthy. Yep. The thing that made this trade a lot better for me made me feel good about it was when I saw what Minnesota gave up for Rudy Gobert. Sheesh. And I was like, dude, it could be so much worse right now. Like, Yo, that is, <laughs> I mean, talk about- That's a like, twin tower lineup, bro. It's a twin tower lineup that I'm not sure I feel great about, to be 100% honest, is what it is. It's it's a team that, okay, like I, I think there's a path for it working, but I think just as much as there's a path for it working, there's a path for self-destruction. And I think there's a chance that Utah Jazz are going to feel like the Houston Rockets do right now, where it's like, give us those picks, baby, and we'll be right back at it um, in just a moment here. Wasn't a lot of them unprotected. All basically all were unprotected, and they got the first round pick this year. I think I have it pulled up here. Let me see. It is so it was four first round picks. I think they're I think they're all unprotected except for the last one, which is like twenty twenty nine is top five protected. Yeah, other than that, but that's that's like three to four unprotected picks. Your first round pick this year. Let's be and, and a swap I think is in there too. Minnesota's offense has been supercharged because of Edwards and for sure. You needed that defense. But I get it. Yeah. You just didn't need the Rudy Gobert defense. I mean, yeah. I think Rudy's a good player. Did I want him in Boston? Not a chance. Do I think he's a good guy? A good player? I do. Yeah, genuinely I yeah. do. Does he fit next to Carl Anthony Towns? Not a chance in hell. I see. I, I think the fit can work to a certain level because Carl Anthony Towns can play on the perimeter offensively. Boy, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like but I think there still is. Want him. Go ahead. You still want him get into the rack. You still want him facilitating yeah. out of the post. And that's where it gets... Like, I understand the, the concept of, you know, you slide Towns down to the four. You mm-hmm. play a little bit of, like, four out, one in. We go bare around the donker spot. But you still... Towns is still going to be most impactful attacking closeouts, facilitating from the post. Like, yeah. Chris Finch is ridiculously good at putting in together, like, intricate screening offense. And I think more Minnesota's offense is one of the more aesthetically pleasing in terms of what Finch asks them to do in the sets that he runs. But I just don't know if I'm, I'm not in love with that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not in love with it either. And it's a hell of a gamble by the T wolves for a a franchise that is not known for its stability to just say, here's a bunch of, uh, here's a bunch of unrestricted picks. Like, yeah, go for it. It's like, bro, y'all have made the conference finals once in your lifetime. You had a top 20 player of all time in Kevin Garnett for 12 years. You made the conference finals once you've made, other than that, I don't think they've ever been out of the, the first round of the playoffs. Like in your entire existence, and now you're just willy nilly throwing away on it was basically picks. 
Dude, if it doesn't work out, we've always got the 2030s to look forward to. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's what what they got to be doing, man. My outlook on it is that, my outlook on it is that, and I'll always kind of stand by this. If it doesn't work out, you're going to get picks back when you move Edwards. You're going to get picks back when you move Towns. Do you know what I'm saying? You can always acquire picks when you have star talent. So, that's, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think the one area where it gets dicey, though, because these are all just straight up unrestricted, and this is where I think the Nets are right now. When you look at Kevin Durant, like, you know, I, I was talking with uh, with our other colleague here, Greg, about it, where he was like, man, I can't believe they just didn't go to the Nets and say, hey, here's D'Lo and all these picks. Give us Kevin Durant, because obviously you'd rather have Kevin Durant than, than Rudy Gobert. But if you're the Nets, like, yes, you can get a bunch of picks for Kevin Durant, but if you stink and you're just in the bottom five, your picks are all going to Houston. Like, you can't necessarily, like, it, it's not exactly a one-to-one where you can be like, give us these picks, and we stink, and we're getting two top six, top seven picks. Yeah, you're you're relying on whatever happens with that other situation, which you're not in control of, and now your team and doesn't have the players to be able to. And you're relying to, on a team that has Kevin Durant to not do well exactly and so i think it's a little bit of that situation where it's like even when you have the star player if you've already made a move where you gave up all your picks you can recoup picks but if you're not going to get any players back and that's where i think the nets are having are going to have a really hard time is how do we get some players back so that we're not just giving the rockets top five picks because we're not going to see any benefit from us losing and with that Malcolm Brogdon was a good addition if he's healthy. Gallinari was a good addition, period. Sam Houser's going to re-sign and become the next Kyle Korver. Real quick, before we go, what do you, what, what do you ultimately think happened? We talked, we touched on the TPE. I think this is the last, this is the last piece the Celtics have to play this offseason. What, what would be your, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more between now and when it expires on the 17th, but w- what do you ultimately, right now on July 2nd as we're recording, what do you think happens with that TPE? I think that there's a deal to be made as a facilitator. If you can come in as the third team, maybe pick up a bit of draft asset, like, you know, get a few draft assets, maybe take on a little bit of salary for somebody that might be able to give you impactful minutes as an 11th man. I think they do that. I don't think they search out a trade where it's a two-team deal, Boston and another team for player X, and they absorb that because they think he's going to push them over the top. I think they did that with Brogdon. So it either expires or Boston become that third facilitating team. I think they find a way to use part of it. I just, I, I think the the ideas of the obviously Herder got traded, but like the ideas of the the Luke Kennards and you know the other you know fourteen million dollar oh, players, Luke Duncan Kennard, Robinson, stuff like that. I, I mean, I would love those moves, and they could theoretically they could still do those moves if they present themselves. But I, I, I think most likely those those dreams are uh, those those deals. I should say those dreams of those deals are probably not happening anymore. But you know, I, I still think of, and, I, and he already got traded, but something like this, where like Nerlens Noel's on a $9 million expiring. He's in Detroit now, which they did draft a center, and they re-signed Marvin Bagley, so maybe they're interested in this. But something along those lines of an $8, 9000000 million expiring guy, where you're only really paying the tax on them this year, they fall off the books. Something like that that helps extenuate. Like, I do think we need to, like, I don't I don't really want to go into the season with Luke Cornett as the backup to Rob, if I'm being yeah, honest. No. So I, I would love to see maybe something along those lines. So that that's where I think this TPE is heading by the time we get to the end date. It's not going to be a major splash using the majority of it, but I think part of it will be used to whether it's another wing ball handler or it's preferably probably in the, in the bigs department is where I would like to see it used. And I, and I think at least a little bit of it, a little slice, a little slice of it might get used. 
just a little slice of the pie. Yeah. Like I'll push back there a little bit and be like, you know, you can get Thomas Bryant without using the TPE. You can get someone For like sure. JaVel McGee without getting using the TPE. And well, I he's, think he's McGee's gone, but yeah, I see is he after I unplugged on Friday, dude. I didn't yeah, see he went to Dallas three years, twenty million. So he got he got he got close oh, to seven gone. million a year. Yeah, yeah, he gone. Like I said, I unplugged on Friday. Um which is what I'm spending today to doing, looking, going back and working for out where, because the hardest part when you unplug during a free agency day is the league looks so different. It goes like so quickly. <laughs> so I've got, I've got to kind of go through that today and see who's where and who, how long for and stuff. But yeah, you know, you can get someone like Brian. If you can't do that, then you do don't try, you do go and try and see if you can bring in an earnings in a while. With yeah. that said, I got some get ready for a party, my guy, and I got to edit this, get it up. So, yeah. Thank you very much, everybody. You've been listening to Celtics Pop Podcast with me, your boy, Adam Taylor, with my home dog, Mr. Will Weir. We'll be back on Wednesday. Happy July 4th to y'all. Peace. Ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion Y'all been testing my patience, never did it for a check I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative Than stressing my wages, ageless, every time I lay a verse down One play at a time, keep it moving like a first down And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this MJ never made it to the majors, still he chased greatness Expected that he might fail, and I might too I might never get to pop champagne